0: Hello! If you're hearing this, that means you get the internet. And if you get the internet, that means you can watch the live stream of the live show that we just did recently. We did a half the Noose Olympian, half Potterless live stream live in North Carolina, and it was an absolute blast for TNO. We did the first two chapters of the first book in the Heroes of Olympus series. And for Potterless, we did an improvised Big Brother format where we put a bunch of Harry Potter pets in a battle to see which magical pet would reign supreme. The video has gorgeous visuals and crisp audio, and it's a multi-cam setup. So it feels very dynamic, like you were there. You can watch that stream until March 17th at 1159 p.m., and you can get tickets at my website, e-s slash tour. Again, that SCHUB.es shub.es/slash tour to watch the replay of the half Potteryless, half the new Olympian live show that we did recently. I hope you enjoy it.
1: Well, this is my impression of uh, Mike Schubert looking for information in the Slack. De-de-dee. Oh, I DDD
0: all the time. That's my <laughs> go-to. Yeah, I do that a lot. I like the DDDs. What's up, nerds? It's basketball. Welcome to Horse, a basketball podcast about everything except for the wins and losses. My name is Mike Schubert, and I am joined by my trusted co-host, the Jimmy Butler to telling everyone that we got some motherfucking ballers who can ball on this team. It's Adam Mamawala. Adam, how's it going? It's going better now that you describe me that way. <laughs> I want someone in my life, and I guess Kelly does this, but like everyone should get someone in their life that loves them as much as Jimmy Butler loves proving people wrong, Jimmy G Buckets, man, the G stands for gets. That's uh, I am remiss we didn't talk about him in our best nicknames thing because Jimmy G Buckets, the G stands for gets, is so good. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, I believe that's a Stacey Kingism. That's the uh, the Bulls commentator who is incredible. Oh,
1: he's fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> his go-to line was just yelling "Stop it!" when somebody did mm-hmm. like anytime <laughs> Derrick Rose would dunk on somebody, he'd oh stop it,
0: stop it, don't do him like that, D Rose. Don't do them like that. Incredible stuff. Well, before we get into the actual basketball-y stuff of the episode, we got to take a little bit of a break to find our inner feng shui. And that is an area and a room that we like to call the Teal Memorial Locker Room. Teal's doing great. She's still in the playoffs. (laughs) She's riding it out for the whole time here. So you know who is certainly riding it out for the whole time as well? Who? It's our new patrons. We have new patrons. We do. Shout out to our new producer level patron, Charles Barkley vs. Milo. I do not know if this was a typo versus Melo or if Milo is someone I'm not familiar with. I'm very excited to see what the context of this name is. But that's our newest producer level patron, is Charles Barkley vs. Milo. We also have the return of Eileen Gazesh as a producer level patron and Jordy Wright, who upgraded to the producer level status. Look at all these new producers. You love to see it. I'm
1: very curious about Milo. Is it is it perhaps someone who both likes Carmelo Anthony and Milo Ventimiglia, star of This Is Us. Could it be? Whoa,
0: a deep cut. <laughs> but they join our illustrious team of existing producer-level patrons, Polly Burge, Kendra Hadley, Adam Hartwick, Salvatore Testa, Trust the Process, Catherine Lee, Siobhan Ellsbury, Shubi Doobie doo Godzilla Got Busy, Steph Curry for three, Bang! He sells, she sells, Le- <laughs> LeBron James, Matt Barger, Lobster Bisque, and NBA legend Robert Sacre. Welcome aboard, everybody. Chugga-chugga-chugga-choo-choo. Here comes the horse train. Thank you for making our train run by funding our coal expenses
1: <laughs> when you said horse train i just immediately pictured you know when like you're on the highway and you see a pickup like pulling horses with then you see their little their little mm-hmm. faces through the slats that's how i picture a horse train that's great well
0: you know who else is giving <laughs> us coal for the horse train could it be our sponsor it is our sponsor for this episode it is PredictionStrike.com again so prediction strike is the only performance-based sports stock market where you can buy and sell shares of professional athletes as if they were stocks. So take the very common phrase of, oh, I'd like to buy stock in X, but now you can actually do it with athletes, which is very fun, and they hooked us up with some credit, and I plan on purchasing some stock. I think I might be getting some JJ Redick stock. I think he might be grumpy about the Pelicans underperforming, so I think he could, which he's never done in his career, do the you-have-to-trade-me-to-a-good-team-because-I'm-old-and-I'm-about-to-retire move, and I think that could be very good for Mr. JJ Reddick.
1: I can't disagree with you. I think that logic is sound.
0: So you can get started today by visiting predictionstrike.com, and you can sign up with the code HORSE, and when you do, you will get an additional $10 off your first deposit of $20 or more. So you put in 20 bucks, you get 10 free bucks, you buy some stock in some athletes, and then you pray that they perform well because then you get more money. Money, I like money. Don't we all? It's a good time, except for when it destroys society. <laughs> Also, I would be remiss, and I feel like in a true moment of humility, I have to let you know, Adam, that the conundrum you ran into last time with having to use your Nutribullet to grind Brotherly Coffee beans, mm-hmm. Kelly and I also ran into that problem because we did not specify that we needed ground coffee. So we used our Vitamix blender, so you can add Vitamix blenders to uh, if you're in a pinch and you need to grind coffee machines, they work. And all I can say is that they definitely work for Brotherly Coffee if you go to brotherlycoffee.com. source. <laughs> It is very good coffee, is it not? It's good stuff. So let's talk about some more good stuff in our first segment, which we like to call Full Court Press. Get it? Like the news? I think I'm starting to get it. Oh, so the only news to really talk about is the NBA playoffs, which at the time of recording on Wednesday afternoon, September 9th, there's some games happening tonight. The playoffs are now approaching the conference finals so far at the Heat have advanced. And the other series involve the Raptors and the Celtics, the Lakers and the Rockets and the Clippers and the Nuggets. And I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like these playoffs have been particularly wild. They've been really,
1: really good. It's not just you. I mean, I think maybe some of us are watching more of them than we would have in our ordinary busy lives. But I also think objectively, the games have been outstanding.
0: There have been buzzer beaters. There have been multiple game sevens. There's just a whole lot of drama happening. Like people who aren't particularly known for being good at basketball absolutely coming out and dominating like my boy lugens dort who has probably the best name in the entire nba you had the jazz nugget series which went to seven you had the rockets thunder series that went to seven you have an upset now in that the number one seeded bucks got bounced by the heat it's just been truly phenomenal
1: i tell you something man the bucks had a window these past couple of years and that window might be closed. <sighs>
0: Oh, man. So I feel like in full court press, this would be a fun opportunity for us to just kind of talk about the current lay of the land of the playoffs, especially for people who don't have a vested interest in particular teams. Maybe you want someone to support arbitrarily and... We could help you decide what team you want to root for, at least at the time of recording on September 9th, because the uh the Celtics could eliminate the Raptors tonight. We will just have to see. <laughs> Before we go team by team, do you have a particular team that you are pulling for in these playoffs, Adam?
1: I'm feeling the heat right now, man. I mean, Ooh. I always I always have a soft spot for Jimmy Buckets. Uh excuse me, Jimmy G Buckets. The G mm-hmm. does in fact stand for gets. As a as a lifelong Bulls fan, big Jimmy Butler guy, uh he had some some testy years with the Bulls, but I'm still a fan. Uh, Tyler Hero, I just think is really fun. He's got a very interesting presence, I will say that, but I kind (laughs) of like him, man. I'm kind of in on Tyler Hero. Iguodala, I'm always happy to see doing well. So I think the Heat are my team right now.
0: I will say that I am currently pulling for the Toronto Raptors just because I think it would be very fun for them since they won last year and then their best player went to a different team. If they still win this year, I think that would be exciting. It would just be very fun for them in like a are-you-not-entertained glass Gladiator moment of overcoming all odds to find a way to win the title in back-to-back years even though you've lost your best player. Well, yeah, and I think it's also
1: a particularly compelling storyline considering that OG Ananobi saved their season, at least for the time being, with that incredible three off an incredible pass with five-tenths of a second left, which is like literally the smallest amount of time that a person can reasonably catch and shoot a basketball. It was awesome, and Kyle Lowry's face after that is the most (laughs) memeable thing probably in basketball
0: this year. It was gorgeous. And specifically the pass that Kyle Lowry threw, he had to throw it over a very tall man in Taco Fall who's like seven six or seven seven or whatever. He's not small. He's not a small man. He's not Taco Small. He's Taco Fall. <laughs> He's honestly could be named Taco Tall, but it was just an impressive play, and OG Ananobi made the game winner, and then he did the cool thing of not celebrating after you make a game winner, which is always such a badass move that I could never do. I would never be that cool to hold in all my emotions and just walk and let my teammates dogpile me, and like you said, Kyle Lowry did it with a big ear-to-ear smile, which got freeze-framed like the ending credits in a 90s sitcom.
1: There is a lot to be said for the understated celebration. It is kind of a boss move. Like, as a a baseball guy, I kind of love It when somebody hits a bomb and then just like very quietly lays down the bat. <laughs> like no bat flip. They just like place it down. Like this is not surprising to me. I know I'm nasty. It should be surprising to some of you maybe, but I knew I was going to
0: do this. In the interviews about it after the game, OG and stayed very cool and he kept this... I don't think it's a persona. I just think it's who he is up. During the interviews, they asked him, were you surprised or how were you able to hold in all your emotions? And he said, when I shoot, I expect it to go in, so I wasn't surprised when it went in.
1: (laughs) I mean, that's what you want a player to be saying. But also, good for him. It's like both cocky and humble at the same time.
0: It's wonderful. OG Ananobi is very, very funny. There's a very good video with him and his teammate Serge Ibaka. Serge Ibaka has a YouTube series called Avek Klaas where he brings on his teammates and then ups their fashion wardrobe and they talk about fashion and stuff. And the OG Ananobi episode is particularly hilarious. So we'll put a link to that in the episode page of horsehoops.com. But yeah, that's why I'm pulling for the Raptors. You said while you're pulling for the heat, but let's go team by team. Who is left and why you might want to root for them. I guess we could start with the opponents of the Raptors, the Celtics. What particular storylines do you think are interesting if you wanted to root for the Celtics to win it all?
1: Well, I think it being their first season without... Kyrie is probably mm-hmm. the, the biggest storyline there. Similar to the Raptors, obviously the Celtics didn't win last year. But just having
0: kind of a, a new group of guys. I think you can obviously point to Kyrie. It's nice to kind of say, to him if you win without him. It's also nice to see Kemba Walker on a competent team since he spent his whole career on a team that barely ever made the playoffs. And when they did, they never really did anything phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. I also think another angle is that Jalen Brown has just been such a great voice in terms of NBA activism from protesting before the league restarted to Mm -hmm. giving incredible interview answers to really just using his platform for good. I think it would be really nice to see their team win it all just because it's really impressive to see someone like Jalen Brown be so good in this particular moment and really rise to the occasion He's just so intelligent about all of the points that he brings up It really feels like he could be a future president of the NBA players union if that's something he wanted to do
1: Yeah, well and there are a lot of guys stepping up like that I mean, I think that's a, a good transition into talking about the Nuggets if we want to talk about them mm-hmm, a little bit mm-hmm. I mean, I think Jamal Murray has been incredible obviously on the court But in what he's done off the court in terms of his postgame interviews I mean, he was extremely emotional in talking about what's driving him right now uh, I know we, I believe we retweeted it from the, the horse account, but it was very moving. He's wearing shoes, one of which has uh, a photo of George Floyd and the other uh, Brianna Taylor. And he's talking about letting that be something that that drives him and motivates him.
0: I also think another interesting thing with Jamal Murray specifically is that he was given this big contract a couple years ago and people thought that it was an overpay. And now he has just been absolutely electric in these playoffs. So it's always just nice to see someone live up and exceed expectations. So that would just be good for him as a person. And it would make me feel happy for him. Totally. I think he's an easy guy to root for. And the Nuggets have have been a fun
1: team. And even the, the Nuggets Jazz Series, just to see him and Donovan Mitchell go toe-to-toe
0: for that series was uh it was pretty awesome it was great and also Nikola Jokic who is a very tall man in general but specifically on the Denver Nuggets he is just such a unique basketball player to watch I can't really think of a player currently in the league that is similar to him he just makes ridiculous passes and he makes ridiculous shots and he also is very self-aware of the fact that he's big and slow and not necessarily the most athletic of NBA player you don't think of players like LeBron who are just jumping literally over people sometimes to dunk it. There was a reporter who asked Nikola Jokic, how are you able to stay patient on pick and rolls on defense? How do you stay back and stay patient? And he says that he was too slow not to be, which I just appreciate someone being that self-aware. And, and honestly, I think being
1: self-aware helps you as a player. If you're on the court thinking you can do things that you physically can't, you're probably not going to play within your limitations, whereas he seemingly has maximized what he is physically able to do
0: and then has built upon it. For sure. So let's go on now to to their opponent, the Los Angeles Clippers, who I would list as the hardest team to root for of the teams remaining. Between them and the Lakers, it's pretty close, but at least the Lakers have other storylines we can touch on. I can't think of that much for the Clippers outside of the Clippers have been bad for so long and maybe this is like delayed revenge for Donald Sterling stuff, but I don't find them particularly compelling to root for or easy to root for.
1: I will say one thing for them and that is that I do love Doc Rivers.
0: Oh, Doc Rivers gave such an incredible interview yeah. response yeah. about everything going on, Black Lives Matter initiatives and how it's just unfair, the situation, that black United States citizens and people across the world are treated. He gave such a compelling Interview to that. We'll mm-hmm. put a link to his whole response on the episode page of Her It even got picked up by last week tonight, which is pretty cool. Yes.
1: Yeah, that was awesome. So, yeah, I, <laughs> but that's not saying a lot about how much I like the team, that my favorite member of the team is their coach. Yes. And it's not, that, it's not that I don't like Kawhi or that I don't like Paul George or anybody on the team specifically. It's just like, I agree with you. They're not a particularly uh, easy team to root for. I'm not even sure why I feel that way, but I do agree with that.
0: I think part of it is playoff P, Paul George's snarkiness about his underperformance and now his performance when he has good games. I don't think people really liked what Kawhi did, leaving the Raptors after bringing them the franchise's only title in the history of their entire existence. And then he just bounces because I guess Los Angeles is nice to live also, the whole way that team came together is a little gross in that it involved Kawhi Leonard wanting to go to the Clippers, but then also forcing them to acquire another star. And then Paul George, who was under contract with the Thunder, basically forced the Thunder to trade him to the Clippers, which set off a whole domino effect of the Thunder being very different. Now, I think the Thunder ended up in a great situation because the trade the Clippers had to do gave them a lot of stuff in return, but they just feel like the team came together in a gross way and it's not a feel good story. Yes, I think all of that is, is well said. But if you wanna root for the Clippers, all power to you. We're not gonna think any less of you, go for it. <laughs> We're very sincere, you really made me believe
1: that as you said it.
0: <laughs> I sounded very convincing. So the final series is between the Lakers and the Rockets. Right now, the Lakers are up 2-1. I think that the Rockets are easier to cheer for here because of the underdog situation. I am also very biased in that. I lived in Houston for 10 years. I very much love Russell Westbrook a whole hell of a lot. So I would love to see the Rockets go all the way. I think that people don't like James Harden and then the whole Rockets. And by people, I mean grumpy old white men don't like the way that they play basketball because they shoot threes and James Harden gets fouled a lot and All this other stuff, and they don't even have centers anymore.
1: Well, back in my day, we shot ill-advised <laughs> two-pointers with our feet
0: on the three-point line. Racist Clyde <laughs> Frazier, is that you? <laughs> I don't know what I was doing there. <laughs> but I think a lot of people that I don't like would be very upset if the Rockets won, and a lot of people that I do like would be very happy if the Rockets won. So that's at least for me what is making me like them. How do you feel about the Rockets?
1: I think they're borderline unwatchable. I'm Ooh. not like an old school, like, oh, I hate people shooting threes. I just think there's like, there are times where they're, they play really sloppy and then there are times where they look incredible. And I, it's, it's very odd to me to watch a team that's that like all over the map. I don't like the way Harden plays. I appreciate how great he is. It's, it's like as frustrating to me as, as when Carmelo used to be on the Knicks and it was just like 10 seconds of just jab steps and then shooting a three that you knew he was going to shoot anyway. I don't like actively enjoy watching the Rockets that much. I love Russell Westbrook, but yeah, they're just not, they've never been like a, a, a team whose style I particularly like.
0: Yeah, I can see that. I know that that is a big complaint just because what normally happens is you have James Harden just kind of playing one-on-one while everybody stands around, Mm -hmm. and that's not necessarily the most entertaining thing to watch. It is very impressive, but... Again, you said recognizing his talent, but not necessarily enjoying the style. And I used to feel that way, too. Obviously, I'm biased because they acquired Russell Westbrook, who I just absolutely adore and think he's so fun. And I'm also fueled by a lot of people hate him. So I kind of want to cheer for him just because so many people dislike him. I loved his shit talking after he hit that big three. <laughs> he talked trash after making a shot to. No one except for the friends and family of the players that are on that side of the gym. So he shit talked and called Anthony Davis a bitch multiple times to potentially Anthony Davis's family. I mean, who better to talk shit to, really? <laughs> so I think what took me over the edge from not liking the Rockets to appreciating them more is that they just went full effort mode in that they traded away their best center and they basically just don't play with the center anymore. They have completely gone all in on shooting threes and just designing a team that works best for their two best players. And I just appreciate the throwing the caution to the wind. I guess I just appreciate the audacity of the Houston Rockets to do what they do. It might not work, but I just like that they're trying. Well, I guess we'll
1: find out if it pays off.
0: We'll see. So the final team we have is the Los Angeles Lakers. And I think that the most obvious reason to root for the Lakers would be all of the Kobe Bryant stuff, which I do have to continually remind myself that A, that happened, and B, that happened this year. Like, that was in 2020. I was at my bachelor party. Like, that was this year.
1: Yep. I will tell you, as somebody who... I I had flown out to LA on that Friday to do a week of shows, and then that Sunday was when when he died. And I've never been a part of like a collective sadness sweeping across the city like that. It was very surreal to be there during that time. And I had a chance to go down to the Staples Center. And actually, we should we should post some of those photos um, Mm -hmm. on the on the Instagram because it was I've never seen that many grown men weeping. It was very, very powerful. And I don't really like LeBron a ton. I don't really love this particular Lakers team. But I also know how much it would mean to that city. And so there is a part of me that If they were to win this year, I would hate it less because of that. Uh, You're probably going to take exception to this. But as someone who actively hates the Yankees, (laughs) the one year that I wouldn't have minded them winning was 2001. Now, I'm not comparing Kobe Bryant's death to the tragedy of 9-11. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that in a time where a city has really been through something awful and could use something to, to pick them up, I hate the Lakers a bit less. (laughs) Because of the context of of what this season has become.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it's a compelling storyline for sure. I think it gives good reason to root for it. I think the Lakers have a similar problem with the Clippers. Whether you don't like LeBron and slash or Anthony Davis. Also, the way they were put together was not great. Because LeBron joining the Lakers in the first place felt like inevitable after there was so much hype for it and all of that. But it still felt bad that he left Cleveland for a second time. And then just the way that they got Anthony Davis to the Lakers. And we talked about this in episodes of course We had Andrew Lopez, the beat writer for the Pelicans on, and it was just such a gross drawn out year plus long process of Anthony Davis going to the Lakers that I think a lot of people don't enjoy the way they came together. And also just Laker fans tend to be insufferable on NBA Twitter, Reddit, whatever. I, I hate that Yankee fans get compared to them often, but I can see why people do it. like to consider myself one of the not as bad Yankee fans. But there are many bad ones of us out there. So yeah, the Lakers, I think, are the most divisive of all of the teams where I think they have a lot of reasons to want them to win. And I think they have a lot of reasons in a lot of different areas, whether it's you don't like LeBron or whatever, why people might not want them to win.
1: Yeah, but also, and again, I'm not like a huge LeBron guy, but can we just stop and give this man credit for his greatness? Yeah. I'm sorry. This is his 17th season. Think of the wear and tear on this guy's body, playing basketball for that long, being in the playoffs every year, getting to the finals and the Olympics, all those consecutive years. Think of the players who have come and gone over the course of LeBron's career Mm -hmm. and think of the numbers he is putting up and the athleticism that he still has at that age after playing basketball for literally his entire life. It's almost impossible.
0: It's absurd.
1: His durability is as impressive to me as anything else.
0: Yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous and it, it shows his dedication to keeping his body in shape and taking all the necessary precautions to make sure that he is able to play basketball games. I feel bad that he gets compared to Jordan all the time because, first off, I think in sports, it is just so hard in general to compare someone from one era to another era. I think it's borderline impossible to do. It's frustrating that we have to decide is Jordan better than LeBron or is LeBron better than Jordan? can we not just appreciate Jordan and say he was the best player of his era and then LeBron is the best player of his current era and we just enjoy both of what they did? I don't get why it always has to be like, well, you gotta pick one.
1: No, I totally agree. And basketball players have different elements to their game. And it almost feels like trying to compare two different genres of music or like, you know, what's better, the Beatles or Jay-Z? You know what I mean? It's like- Right,
0: it's apples to oranges. Yeah,
1: people can both be great doing what they
0: do and we don't always have to make this comparison. Right, so- I think we should all appreciate LeBron, whether you like him personality-wise or not. I used to not like him. I liked him a lot more once he started, you know, opening up schools and stuff. So... Whether or not you like them, I think there's a lot of different ways to feel about the Lakers, and I think there's a lot of different ways to feel about a lot of these teams. I will just say, because I didn't give any love to them, and this is a fun, wholesome way to end it. I also would love to see the Heat win, because they were the fifth seed. No one thought they were going to be very good. Jimmy Butler has been trashed on his entire career just for being open and honest and not necessarily saying the nicest things and being very blunt. And if they are able to pull it off, it would just be incredibly impressive. I also love Bam Adebayo. Like, there's a lot of ways to appreciate the heat too. So I think there's a lot of, teams you can root for here, except for maybe the Clippers. But, you know. (laughs) Having (laughs) said that, if you're rooting for the Clippers, I guess it's fine with us. (laughs) So, root for however you want to, or you can just do what I like to do, and it's just always root for the series to go longer. Uh, That's always a fun way to do it, because then you get more basketball, and that's great. So, that's the playoffs. Hopefully, this could give you some team to root for. You could also just pick the team with the freshest jerseys. It's a good option. Also, the Heat. Miami Vice (laughs) jerseys, best jerseys in basketball. They're really good. They're very, very good. So that is our little full court press. The P this time stands for playoffs. And the G still stands for gets. (laughs) So Adam, do you want to introduce our next segment, the very special conclusion to this episode of Horse?
1: I absolutely would love to. We did an interview today that was something I've been looking forward to for a very long time. Even before I was a part of Horse, it occurred to me, I have to tell this story somewhere. <laughs> I have a friend uh, who is a fellow comedian in New York City named Gary Veder. Uh He's a very funny guy, very talented dude. And in the heat of the interest of The Last Dance documentary about the Michael Jordan Bulls, he shared a post on Instagram, and the only context I'm going to give you for this interview is the first sentence of that Instagram <laughs> post, all right? This is, this should pique your interest. From 1993 to 1997, my father and I ran a scam saying I was a reporter for Sports Illustrated for kids and that he was a photographer,
0: and they would sneak into games. That's the context you're getting. <laughs> and now we turn to the interview. Ooh! Now we turn to a very special interview that I am very glad we could make happen. It's something that I read about, and then thankfully Adam told me that he knows (laughs) the man behind the grift. Uh, It is stand-up comedian Gary Veeder. Gary, you are quite prolifically known now as, I don't know the exact term that Sports Illustrated called you, a fake kid reporter. How how does it feel to uh, pull off what I think is uh, one of the... Most wonderful, but also lighthearted grifts of all time.
2: Nobody got hurt. So I think that's why a lot of people were able to get behind it. If you were part <laughs> of uh, like a big scheme that people got hurt in the process, you probably wouldn't want too many people to know about it or, you know, come out <laughs> however many years later. So that it kind of winds up being cool, a cool story and a sports related story. And especially at the time, because, you know, the the story itself that came out was kind of outlined by my uh, meeting Michael Jordan. And obviously that's the you know, the biggest athlete you could ever meet. That's alive. The fact that it was, uh, you know, outlined with, with him being as the main story. And then of course that the Jordan documentary was going on at the same time. It was a, a cool thing to share and something that I never shared before.
1: Yeah, and I, I just want to give give some context, everybody who's listening, of of who you are and, and what exactly we're talking about. So I, I'm sure Gary will downplay it because he's a very a very humble man. But uh, Gary <laughs> is an extremely talented comic. I've known him for a long time. He's been on Conan. He's been on Colbert. Uh, he got very far in America's Got Talent. Uh, what what would you like people to know about you uh, that perhaps people who are listening don't know? How would you how would you describe yourself? Talk some shit about yourself, Gary. Have fun. Uh, all
2: right. <laughs> Well, I mean, for most, most people probably don't even know that I'm a stand-up comedian. You know, just a a little guy who's quiet. Well, you know, when the Michael Jordan documentary was coming out, I I knew I had the, obviously, I mean, I experienced this amazing story about uh, being a fake Sports Illustrated for Kids reporter. And um, I didn't have these pictures with me, though. I haven't seen the pictures of me with Michael Jordan and with other celebrities for years. So I didn't see these pictures for probably, like, about 20 years. And I, I asked my mom to, you know, just send them to me because uh, my parents, they got divorced when I was about like 15. And then when my mom left my dad, she pretty much like left the house in kind of a rush. They didn't have a great marriage. These boxes were filled with like the the pictures of me with, you know, these athletes. And I wasn't even sure if they were actually in the boxes because it's been so long. And uh, when she sent them to me, I was like, all right, you know, now I have like some proof that I was with, you know, Michael Jordan. And like, I could kind of give an outline to the story. Uh, Between the years of 1993 to 1997, my dad and I would go to Various sporting events, mostly uh, ones that happen at Madison Square Garden, and we go there by saying that I was a Sports Illustrated for Kids reporter, and he was the uh, photographer. We never worked for Sports Illustrated for Kids. My dad was just an excellent talker, and he was never an honest man. But this was kind of a scheme that he developed, and it wasn't just a scheme just to like go to the games for free. It was to full out. Be those people. So I was a reporter, he was a photographer, and we played those roles up to a key. You know, he would go in and he would wear a full on, like, you know, photographer's sports vest. You know, he'd have a telephotic lens that would be able to shoot sports. If we were at hockey games, he'd be right up at the glass, he'd be right on the floor. If we were at basketball games, I would be either in the press box or on the floor myself. And at the end of games, not only did we go to those games for free without any tickets, but we'd then also go into the locker room and, and I'd interviewed, you know, various players. And, uh, you know, over the years I met so many, but primarily like I was around the Knicks and the Rangers between like those glory years between early 1993 through 1997. I was like with the Knicks and the Rangers a ton going into locker rooms. And I was there so often it came to a point where, you know, nobody ever doubted it. I was living the lie so well that it didn't occur to anybody that this was all fake.
1: I mean, as as a fellow comic, I would say you really committed to the bit. Yeah. <laughs> now, do you remember what it was like when your dad first proposed this to you? Because I feel like most kids or most people would be like, what the hell are you talking about? Or was this like in line with the kind of stuff that he would do?
2: Yeah, it's totally in line. I mean, from when I was five years old, you know, it was kind of like embedded in me of like always finding a way of getting around stuff, you know, the easiest way, cutting a corner. We go to the movies together when I'd be five and I'd go under the ropes and then my dad would go to, you know, the ticket taker and, and tell the guy, hey, like, you know, I don't know where my son is. And then I'd be like, all the way down like the theater corridor, <gasps> you know, nobody's the, the ticket guy's not even thinking about asking my dad for a ticket. He's just worried like, hey, where's this guy's son who he says missing? And then I turn around once my dad yells my name and then my dad walks through. So it's like, you know, we always had kind of like a plan of just, you know, cutting a corner as far as the sports illustrated thing came, you know, my dad was just a regular and doing this in his own life. But when it came with sports, and I mean, I love sports. I love hockey. I love basketball. I always wanted to meet players and stuff. And I remember one time at we were at Nassau Coliseum, this is before Like uh, officially, like doing the Sports Illustrated thing, we'd be waiting for players just to have them sign autographs. A lot of people do that. A lot of times, players just go by, or you're one of the people that aren't chosen to get a picture or get a card signed. So I think that kind of made my dad wonder a little bit about, like, how do I get past the guardrail? And from then on, you know, he came up with this way of getting us in, not just to the games, it was, you know, into locker room and like full access.
1: I love the idea that he was like, he was like preparing you for this moment your entire life without you knowing about it. It's like it's like a, a a dishonest Mr. Miyagi where you're like, yeah. "I'm not re- I'm not ready for Madison Square Garden." He's like, "Remember the theater, Gary?" Yeah, yeah, we
2: started <laughs> off at Nassau Coliseum and then we went to the big time. Part of the amazing thing about the overall story is I was able to go to Uh, historic games so the story that I told in Sports Illustrated my dad and I and he would always call ahead when we would go to a game I I looked in the paper that day and I found out that the Bulls were playing the Knicks and this was Michael Jordan's fifth game back it was when he was wearing number 45 he called ahead to make sure that we would have access he told him that you know the Sports Illustrated for kids was coming he called uh, you know whoever the the press people were at the Garden which he was familiar with because we've already been there numerous times at this point this is in uh, 1995 so we had free access to the game I didn't know if I was going to meet Michael Jordan or not. I sat third row during that game, uh, watched Michael Jordan pour in 55 points. I mean, every celebrity, you know, that was big at the time was there. Uh, so I met like Bill Murray, Phil Donahue, Mori Povich. I mean, like Spike Lee, of course, big people at that time wild we went into the locker room the actual sports illustrated for kids was at the game
0: Oh (laughs) oh, no!
2: yeah we went in there knowing that but we went in there in like a rush so we could beat them to it and one of the things my dad always did was he always took pictures of security guards and whenever we would go back to the games uh he would give them those pictures so they would associate him with you know, who he was and that he was a Sports Illustrated for Kids photographer. So on that particular day, it came in handy because the security guards knew us and they just brought us, you know, through the locker room just waiting to hopefully meet Michael Jordan. We get into the locker room. I'm like kind of looking around for like Michael Jordan. And he's not there. He did like a press conference and stuff. And so he's like doing his own thing, even though he's on the team. And I guess somebody that my dad knew was able to tell us where Michael Jordan was in that area. He walked us to a private room. In that room was Michael Jordan, Phil Jackson, and some like assistant coaches. And I just sat down next to Michael Jordan and I I interviewed him. It was like three questions. You know, <laughs> what's, what's your favorite food? And Uh, I like didn't even remember like the other two and I was just like I get you know a picture I was too scared to ask for an autograph unfortunately then I went out you know got an interview with uh, Scotty Pippen he signed stuff picture with Phil Jackson too and uh, then we were on our way out you know so happy to meet Michael Jordan and on our way out the real Sports Illustrated for kids was like still trying to get in. (laughs) Damn. So it's just a combination (laughs) of stuff where, you know, my dad wasn't ever one to like back down. He wasn't like, oh, the real Sports Illustrated for Kids was here. He just, you know, played it cool. Nobody ever realized, oh, there's two groups of Sports Illustrated for Kids here. And we just, uh, you know. Wound up doing it and then did it for another, you know, two, two and a half years after that.
1: Now, I do want to clarify just for, for anyone who's listening who thinks there was some kid crying in the hallway. My understanding of it, Gary, is that the actual reporter for Sports Illustrated for Kids was an adult. Yeah, they are all adults.
2: <laughs> Sports Illustrated for Kids never used kid reporters, actually.
1: That's so ridiculous. Why wouldn't they? That seems like such an easy thing that they should have done.
0: Oh, yeah, I know. We were the only ones who thought of it. <laughs> So as far as it beginning it was your dad coming up with the idea when you stopped doing it was there a specific reason like did you guys get caught or did you just feel like it had run its course was there a particular time that you had a really close call like what made you stop doing this grift. Uh,
2: Well I couldn't tell anybody that I was doing it so I was doing all these things and meeting all these people I met Marital Lemieux I met Nancy Kerrigan. I met Shaq. I met, you know, Penny Hardaway and like, you know, celebrities, Bill Murray, you know, Richard Gere, John Elway and Joe Namath. Like I met all these people, but I couldn't, I couldn't share anything. I'm glad
0: Richard Gere made it into that list. <laughs> well, he was just at the games. <laughs> I mean, he, was big, he was big. I
2: mean, 1993, it was like year after Pretty Woman. Yeah.
0: I mean, no, for sure he is. It's just a funny list. You know, Shaq, Richard Gere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was meeting Shaq like?
2: Um So Shaq, I met him when he was on the Orlando Magic. And I went into the locker room, he signed a basketball. I never interviewed him, but he signed a basketball for me. And then after he signed the basketball, I went back and I had a card. And he was was being interviewed on the game that just went on. And uh, I go up to him with the card and he signs it. And then he goes, uh, he goes, no more, man. I already gave you too much. Uh, But so he signed both of them. But, you know, my Mm -hmm. dad snapped a picture of me getting the card and the basketball sign. Nice.
0: Okay, back to the original question. So for stopping it, like what when did it get to a point where you had to stop it? You were saying that you couldn't tell anybody. Yeah, so.
2: I was about 15 years old and it kind of just came to a point where, yeah, I didn't share any of this with any of my friends because it was doing something illegal. And it kind of came to a point where I didn't want to like go to a game and then possibly run into somebody that I knew or the risk of, you know, possibly getting caught, you know, lying. Also, I was getting a little bit older. So it's like, you know, kind of Oh I'm not just I don't want to do this thing with my dad anymore. <laughs> oh you're so
0: boring dad. We just get free tickets to games and see famous athletes. Oh you're such yeah. a nerd.
2: Right. And it, you know so it's just like you know something as like I'm 15 I'm like I just don't want to lie like this. Right. And at, at 15 you don't really consider yourself you stop considering yourself a kid as much. So when you're like, oh, I'm Sports Illustrated for kids. It's almost like I'm not a baby. I want to. I want to. Can we just say yeah. Sports Illustrated, Dad? <laughs>
1: yeah, there's no uh, Sports Illustrated for tweens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, but that's that's an interesting point, though. It's like at any time during the scheme, did you ever feel bad about it, or is it only kind of in retrospect, or or as you got to that age, were you are like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't be doing this.
2: Um, I think as I got older, I'm like, I just didn't want to be lying all the time because I also. I mean, just in my everyday life, outside of what we were doing, my dad I just witnessed my dad lying constantly. So I just didn't want that to be me. You know, I guess, I mean, not that I, maybe I wasn't thinking it to this level, but I didn't want that to be, you know, my lifestyle completely where I'm always lying. And because that's what he was, t- you know, pretty much teaching me to do. Uh-huh. I just wanted a, a break from it. And I also looked at my dad. I'm like, you know, this, here's the this guy who like thought of this and he he, d- he did other cons throughout His life as well, fraudulent checks and all this stuff. And he, you know, he got away with, you know, everything, never went to jail. But I didn't want to be that way. And I didn't, I didn't like that style of, you know, his life. So kind of uh, eventually distanced us, uh, you know, over time.
1: Yeah. And I also, I would imagine that like, part of being 15 even if it's beyond like oh I don't want to do this with my dad anymore it's like you can't just play the cute kid card at that point mm-hmm. like right. if yeah. you had tried to do the movie scheme and your dad was like oh my 15 year old son <laughs> walked away and I can't find him it's probably right. not going to work as well anymore so like you've lost some of the luster of being like the cute kid with the with the bowl oh, yeah. and I mean just obviously you know you and I don't know each other intimately but we've known each other through comedy for almost a decade and like I, I think of you as being like an extremely upstanding honest person and it seems to me that probably like you kind of went the opposite
0: direction of the example that was set for you growing I'm up. I'm going to rebel against my dad by being nice and honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to donate to charity. And he's going ste- to steal from you, that dad. charity. Yeah. I'm going to go build houses with Habitat for Humanity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what I also think is very interesting about this is that the article that came out, the biggest article from this, was from Sports Illustrated themselves, who you were pretending yep. to work for. How did the process go from you posting it on Instagram to doing an interview with them. And was there any awkwardness with the fact that the people interviewing you were the ones you lied about being a member of all those years ago?
2: Right, yeah, pretty much the way that it, the article came about was I posted it on Instagram and that gave a good enough buzz where I was able to get around and got to somebody at Sports Illustrated who then uh, sent it over to the editor of the magazine, this guy Mark Bukel, I think is how you pronounce his name. But anyway, Mark reached out to me uh kind of just wanted to get the details of wh- how I did it to even see if how real it was. And I told him a little bit about it. And he's like, all right, if you can just, you know, right? Like, you know, a thousand word story and we'll, we'll publish it. And then I sent it to him and he, and I gave him more than that. And he's like, Oh wow, this is great. And I included pictures and everything. So they made it, It wound up being like a, I think like a 2,500 word, like, you know, story or maybe a little bit less. They were interested in knowing the details of kind of how it went down. They didn't care that their name was used because everybody who was there, wasn't there back then. Right. They were just looking for a way to make sure the story was true. And they were kind of interested in knowing the details. You know, I have a whole bunch of stuff that wasn't even in the article, but um, just like, you know, factual like paperwork that that I was sent from like the NHL office telling me like oh you know uh, thank you so much Gary for uh, going to game one of the Stanley Cup finals we look forward to you you know coming back just different things like with a P.O. box that my dad set up different things I'm in the Rangers Stanley Cup video whoa like (laughs) as I was at game seven and I went to the after party and I was only 11 years old (laughs) at the time I remember I like we got home at like six in the morning and I had you know just a whole bunch of autographs and that was to me that was even cooler than meeting Jordan the Rangers Stanley cup was just such a, uh, a long time you know in the making that was just uh, an awesome experience
1: I mean I have to give your dad credit like what he did was wrong but like he certainly thought it through like the the details of like having the P.O. box set up and taking photos of the security guards and giving them, like he, oh, totally. he knew how to like grease the right people up seemingly it's also funny to me that like Sports Illustrated <laughs> would want to vet this to make sure you weren't lying about lying like who's <laughs> right, gonna right, right. who's gonna set up a con about a fake con that seems like a lot of work
2: and on my end I'm like are they conning me to tell me That to write them the thing and then it's like not going to be like published uh, you know trying to get back at me but you know it all it all worked out the Sports Illustrated story got me uh, you know a good amount of buzz more on the story than just the Instagram article and kind of gave a good background so that was cool
1: well and I'm sure they probably were just curious about how it went down like it literally reminds me of like Catch Me If You Can (laughs) When Tom Hanks yeah. is like, so, how, how'd you do it, Frank? How'd you do it? Like, you just, right. at this point, it's like, you we, we know what happened. Like, just what, how did this work?
2: I know, and it, it really came down to my dad. You know, he was the one who thought of it all. And he had years of experience of just, you know, not telling the truth. And, you know, he'd never been to jail. You know, he's an interesting story. As like, you know, I, I definitely put him up there with with Catch Me If You Can and, like, uh, Frank Abagnale.
0: Danny Ocean. Yeah.
2: No, <laughs> yeah. I mean, totally. I mean, it's a different thing. Yeah, like, you know, he's not a... Uh, As far as I know, not a bank robber, but, uh, (laughs) but, you know, from the point of like Bernie Madoff or like Frank Abagnale Jr., the difference with my dad is, you know, it wasn't just the Sports Illustrated scam. He did also like, I mean, just a ton of fraudulent stuff in his life, but he just, he never got caught. So he might not have done anything where it was the biggest Ponzi scheme in the world. But uh, he's also not in jail.
1: Right. Yeah, if you keep it a little smaller, you're probably hedging your bets a little bit. Now, considering how much you were doing this, had you kind of gotten over the nervousness of meeting athletes or when you met somebody like someone like a Michael Jordan, were you starstruck?
2: Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I'm still 10, 11 years old. So. I think it was part of the the lie slash rush. I of course I wanted to meet them, but um, I was definitely, definitely you know, a kid that's nervous. Because uh, in the back of my mind, I was, I knew, I'm like, I mean, we're lying. I just don't. Last thing you want is like Michael Jordan to be like, wait a minute, this kid's full of shit, and just call you out. And then you're, you know, that's the way you live with. it. like that's how Michael Jordan knows you. But you know, he doesn't remember me. But uh, I was I was still nervous, for sure.
0: The whole story, start to finish, is incredible. The fact that it ended with you now, however many years later, with Sports Illustrated themselves, I think is just truly fantastic. And as someone who read Sports Illustrated for kids avidly as a kid, and I had all the free posters they would give you up on your wall, oh, yeah. on my wall, and I had all the cards and stuff.
1: The perforated cards, I can still picture Dude, them.
0: Yeah. yeah, I had all the cards, I had all the posters, I would play all the little puzzles on the back and stuff. It is, gosh, it's... It's brilliant, and I think that's just such a fun story that you'll have forever.
2: Yeah, I mean the pictures help, and uh, you know surprisingly, I didn't know this, but like Sports Illustrated for kids, it's now a monthly magazine. They're all monthly magazines. It's not they're not weekly, but back in the day, I remember looking forward to it because they also had like high school athletes and stuff in it that they would uh, highlight and you'd be like oh wow that's like you know that's cool and then as you as you're getting older you're like oh you know just interesting stories about uh different players and it would be the players that you would want to hear about like your Shaq and you know michael jordan
1: i had one more question for you and uh if if it's too personal feel free (laughs) not to answer but was there a particular reason that you felt uh emboldened to share this information with people like i don't know what your relationship is like with your dad or if he's if he's around or if you still talk to him like i I imagine he would have told you, like, don't ever tell anybody about this.
2: So I don't talk to my dad, but I do think he, knowing him well enough, he would want people like, I mean, he can't get in any trouble for this. So um, if anything, he would want people to know that, you know, he was able to get away with it and he was able to <laughs> kind of use me as a ploy. So that's my dad. But as far as, you know, what kept me from telling anybody was just kind of, you know, waiting for the right time of, you know, we're all in quarantine back when the Jordan documentary happened i did tell some of my uh friends before about these stories but i didn't see those pictures for so long the pictures just you know are everything so the pictures are the most important part to make it true and uh, and i was i just wanted to share it you know publicly
0: are you in the jordan Dock at all are you in the background of anything (laughs) were you looking to see if you were in the front row of any of the games they showed yeah
2: the only video that i'm (laughs) in is that uh ranger stanley cup video so right when they the last face off i'm like right at the glass and i found a getty photo too that i That's so
1: cool though. <laughs> I mean, they showed in the documentary footage from the locker room of that game that you were at. Like they yeah. definitely, mm-hmm. I recognize that suit that Jordan was wearing. And I think that might've been like, I don't know if that was the game that like Seinfeld showed up, but like there were, they showed people in the locker room there. So I was like, Oh my God, I, I know that suit.
2: <laughs> yeah. I don't think Seinfeld was there that night. I mean, if, if he was, I'm sure I would have gotten an interview, but,
1: <laughs>
2: but either, but either way, yeah, it was, uh, you know, I'm sure there's extra footage that, that is around that, you know, I'm in, you know, I'm waiting in the locker room. So it's so hard though, to you know, because it was, you know, long ago, that was 1995. And there has to be pictures of, you know, myself and my dad in the background of stuff. But it, we're definitely in a good number of uh, Stanley Cup pictures that I was able to find. But uh, those are just what's online. And you know, who knows what else, you know, somebody might have, you know, at their home.
1: Yeah. And I mean, as you alluded to before, it's really, it's only a scheme that could have worked pre-internet and pre-9-11. Like, there's a 0% chance that any of that could have gone down without there being a lot more scrutiny.
2: I mean, my dad was good. He's a good liar. <laughs> so part of his lies were based off of knowing what somebody was able to do. Like, as I mentioned, the going to the movies, his whole thing was kind of like a distraction, like causing confusion. So I wouldn't put it past him that he would be able to do that. <laughs> um, you know, not now me, you know, saying the story maybe you know it would obviously it would make it harder for somebody else to do it but if i didn't say that there's a good chance that it could have been a you know a, a continual thing because not many people are going to look up oh this is the kid you know who works for sports associated for kids
1: i will say if he tried to do it now with you as an adult i don't yeah. see it working <laughs> right right hello well, i
2: have a baby i have a baby now so maybe. i was gonna say baby.
1: congratulations i know you're a new dad um, oh that's awesome i assume you don't have any uh
0: grifting plans at the moment for your <laughs> yeah for your nothing,
2: child. nothing at the moment but uh
0: <laughs> there's time or maybe you just do Something incredibly, incredibly low stakes, like get two free samples from the grocery store. Right, right. (laughs)
2: Yeah. We'll work our way up from that.
0: I would definitely do the
1: uh, two costumes on Halloween and go to the same houses and apartments. That's that's an easy one. Start (laughs) them out easy and
0: then uh, then work your way up to, I don't know, the Olympics or something. Oh, man. Well, Gary, thanks so much for taking the time. This was a very fun interview. If people want to find you doing stuff, where can they do it especially now that stand-up is i know adam's been doing it like at parks in new york so i don't know how you've been dealing. <laughs> yeah
2: adam and i did a show at a park you know just trying to do shows wherever i can but at gary veder instagram twitter and then dot com for my website and i have a comedy album and that could be purchased on my website um and yeah
1: sweet man
0: dude thank you so much
2: thanks guys
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Horse. Horse is hosted by Adam Mamawala and Mike Schubert. Today's episode was edited by Misha Stanton. The social media is by Mike Schubert. The art is by Allison Wakeman. The music is by Bettina Campomanes. And the website is by Kelly Schubert. Thank you to our producer-level
1: patrons, Polly Burge, Kendra Hadley, Adam Hartwick, Salvatore Testa, Trust the Process, Catherine Lee, Siobhan Ellsbury, shubi Dooby do doo Godzilla Got Busy, Steph Curry for three! Um, bang. He Sells Seashells, Laurent James, Matt Barger, Lobster Bisque, NBA legend Robert Sacre, Jordy Wright, Eileen Gazesh, and Charles Barkley versus Milo. (laughs) As always, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Horse Hoops and
0: on Twitter at Horse underscore Hoops because... Uh, The person who had the Horse Hoops account on Twitter was that other reporter from Sports Illustrated for Kids.
1: Nice, I like it. Check out our website horsehoops.com for clips from the NBA playoffs in the bubble, of course, and some awesome photos of Gary with a ton of famous people.
0: Mm -hmm. And if you want to support the show and get access to some bonus content while you do so, you can go to Patreon.com/slashhorsehoops, horsehoops. is audio such as the thing that we had to cut from our last episode of Horse because the Milwaukee Bucks protested, and a request for an overtime which we'll have to record. Adam, someone requested, can you do a whole episode just explaining basketball slang because I don't know what a brick is, and I think that would be an incredible audio episode. We'll have to put up on the Patreon. I like so that. All of that bonus content lives at patreoncom horsehoops. and also uh, thanks to Multitude for having us as part of the collective. One of the shows that's part of that collective is. Meddling Adults, which is a show that I make and Adam was a guest on in season one. Season two just launched at the time of recording today, September 9th, so you can listen to season two right now at meddlingadults.com or just search Meddling Adults wherever you listen to your podcasts. So as we round out this episode, we will do it as we always do, We're just putting our hands in the middle and saying something on the count of three. I feel like we should give some sort of homage to Gary, and I think maybe we say what Shaq said, because this is horse. Maybe on the count of three we say, hey, we give you too much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into
1: it. All right. I'm ready.
0: All right. One, two, three. Hey, hey kid, we gave, gave you too, too much. much. <laughs> <laughs> I told Kobe. I told Phil. Kobe know how I play. I already signed the ball. I signed the I card. Gave too much. Get out of my face. I'm really hungry. <laughs> I want to leave.
1: Make sure to buy Icy Hot and go go to the general <laughs> to save some time. Oh, gosh. We, ha- we have fun here. We have fun here. We're having a good time.